Brinded Cass hath mewed. Thrice. And once the hedge pig whined. Oh! Happy a cry! This time? Round about the cauldron gold. In the poisoned entrails through, told that under cool stone, days and nights as thrifty one, sweat of them, sleeping god, boil thou fast in the charmed. Hello, and welcome to this week's Tea and Grub Bits Halloween Part 4. I am one of your hosts, Glenn. And I am the other one, Mike. And this time, we are dealing with a subject that has affected all of Europe, all of the Americas. Every continent on Earth has been affected by this outbreak, whether old or new, whether they're persecuting, or it's just a relic of the past. And we are talking about witches and witchcraft. Uh, But before we kick that off, as always, Mike, how have you been? Pretty good. Um, I really can't complain. But um, I feel like this past week I've had a bit of witchcraft um, because basically on Friday I went to turn on my car and the oil light came on saying, hey, um, you need oil. And then I got home and the entire block that I live on is filled with like, you know, people that know cars. And they all came over and the car had no dipstick and they couldn't figure out how to find it. So the car was basically dead. And there was no oil on the floor. There was no oil anywhere. So I had to get it towed. I had to go. And they still have my car five days later and no explanation. So I've had a very witchcrafty week with no explanations for anything. But otherwise, I'm healthy. I'm back to not feeling like a demon. And I'm pretty damn good. Excited for this episode. Uh, Did a lot of research. So I can't wait to get into it. And how are you, sir? Um, yeah, my uh, funny enough, my car is going in for its uh, MOT, which is just the road compliance safety check this Friday, oh. and I am dreading a huge bill from it because my car's a piece of crap. But other than that, uh, I am pretty, pretty damn good. Quite excited for this. Yes. Uh, particularly because I live in the heart of witchcraft country in the UK. There's a lot of history around here. So this is barking right up my tree. Wow, I feel like you always live in the heart of everything bad. Demons, yeah. heart. Poltergeist, heart. You know, witch, heart. So it's amazing that your country is known for, you know, such prestige and like the scum of the earth at the same time. It's really amazing. Oh, it's just ridiculous. You've got the ghosts here, you've got witchcraft here, you've got Satanism here. You've got everything you can think of just happens in jolly old England, as it were. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, we have this whole, oh, tea and crumpets and, you know, hello, Vicar, and all that. And then we have this other dark side where people are completely ignoring Christianity and cutting up animals and worshipping the devil. So it is the two sides of the different coin of England. And we did export some of that to the States as well, which we will be talking about uh, later with the um, (coughs) various witch trials. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so witchcraft. Mike, what do you know about witchcraft? Not much. Um, (laughs) You know, I know a lot about witches, but like witchcraft, like Wicca, like whenever I hear that word, I just think of like a DJ, like Wicca, Wicca, whatever, like not much. I I, I think of relics. I think of sorcery and magic. I think of Skyrim. Mm -hmm. I think of mainly women. 
which is maybe a bit sexist, but I think history is really ingrained when I think of witchcraft women. <coughs> I, think, I think of great movies. Uh, what was that? Hocus Pocus? Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, so that's what comes to mind for me. How about you? What do you associate with witchcraft? Uh, yeah, I mean, normally you do cast up the image of a, uh, a woman performing some sort of magic ritual. And I think that's a lot of that's come down from the stereotype and the actual you know, persecution of women who happen to just be inconvenient and we want to get rid of that woman who's annoying and they'd accuse yeah. her of being a witch. And I think it's just bred in us that, um, you know, a woman, a woman will be a witch more likely than a man. Uh, there's no actual evidence for this that women practice witchcraft any more than men. I think it's just people used to like uh, persecuting women just for being women. Um, you know, back in the day, it's a bit like what we were talking last week about Lilith. Should be an outspoken woman, or should you be a woman who's a bit ahead of the curve and know how to cure things by, you know, prototype modern day medicine? You would probably be classed as a witch. Um, you know, the word wicker, which you mentioned, comes that does actually mean witch in uh, Old English. So, and uh, yeah, so witchcraft comes from Wiccan, which is witch, and craft means craft. So, there you've got your witchcraft. So, if you're a Wicca, you're a witch. Uh, so, yeah, what we have today, the modern day practices of witchcraft or Wiccan, which is no way is anything to do with this episode. What we're actually looking more into is the persecution and what went on and the spooky style old stories, mm -hmm. rather than dissing anyone who does actually practice Wiccan or uh, paganism. Uh, that's the part we're more interested in is the stereotype witch and if there is actually any truth to it mm -hmm. um, now to give you an idea of uh, where I live is basically if you know the name Matthew Hopkins uh, you'll probably know you can work out <laughs> where I live Matthew Hopkins was the self-appointed uh, witchfinder general and when I say self-appointed he was basically uh, lawyer who was completely miserable at the job and he started doing witch trials and he started hunting out witches and what he would do is he'd basically rock up in villages in Britain and start hunting for witches people would actually hire him and he had a lot of uh, these tools that he would actually use to hunt witches and basically what he'd do is he'd go around and it'd be an excellent time for people in the village to actually get rid of anyone weird or anyone unwanted and just accuse them of being a witch so he had things like um thumb screws that he'd put on he'd have leg irons that he'd heat over a brazier and he would actually make these women confess to being a witch and charge an absolutely horrendous fee for it uh for so for just over a year he actually went through uh, the areas of the UK that are Puritan, so you had an anti-Catholic thing going on anyway. Uh, she had a lot of anti-Catholicism kicking off. You had the Puritans wanting to hunt out the Catholics. So if you were a Catholic and people kind of knew about it, or you maybe said something that was out of turn, the chances are you'd actually be accused of being a witch. So this guy Hopkins was cashing in on this. Uh, he sucked in the actual legal department, so he went on to become the Witchfinder General. Now, hold on. Now, I'm going to stop you there. Hold on. Yep. Because there's a lot to what you just said about being a witch hunter. And while you were talking, I found some of the weapons that they used. And I wanted to run it past you, okay? Number one weapon, a keen mind full of text from the words of God, completely committed to memory. So that's their number one. Um, but yep. then it devolves into a lot of other things. Um, <laughs> a copy of Malleus Mal Maleficarum, uh -huh. okay? 
a heavy bow and crossbow. Okay, now we're getting into weapons. A solid silver holy symbol that is both large and heavy enough to serve as a club when necessary. Okay, um, a long, strong, and sharp steel blade blessed by a cleric of faith. Basically, they are hunting witches with weapons, and they are going up to people saying, here's a sword to your throat, you're a witch. Say yeah. no. Now, continue. Yeah, so that's, that's basically what he was doing. You had the whole, um, you had the whole float or drown theory. Theory, mm -hmm. actually, they put into practice quite a bit. I've actually been to a small pond. It's not that small, actually, where they used to actually do this with women. Um, beautiful place, but you actually know the story behind it. You're a bit like, eh, not so much. Uh, where they bound up a woman. She floated. She was guilty, so you put to death. If you sunk, uh, you're with God, but you still died. So that was kind of how they did that thing. Um, so this guy, Matthew Hopkins, he had 68 people put to death in a town called Bury St. Edmunds. Uh, Bury St. Edmunds was very famous for actually being raided by the Vikings. And um, Ivor the Boneless from Viking history actually attacked it. He had 19 hanged at Chelmsford in a single day. So that's 19 people hanged. And then he attacked Norfolk and Suffolk. Um, and you had things like this. So to give you a perspective of how much he was actually charging, he charged one town six pounds for clearing the towns of witches. Now to put this in context, um, a time the daily wage was two and a half p a day, uh, and you know there's a hundred p in a pound. So that's what is that three hundred times the average days. daily wage just for the clearing of witches. Wow. So yeah. So that is what he'd actually do. Um, now this guy actually went through and I've been all around the area he actually terrorized um, and he would have a spike a lot of the time and he would look for witch's marks. Now witch's marks could have been a wart, they could have been a blemish on the skin, they could have been anything like a freckle and he would say it's a witch's mark and that is where a witch's familiar would feed from. So a witch's familiar is an animal or a sprite of some kind that the witch uses to converse with the devil or it is the devil in that form so he would actually use this he'd use a spike and supposedly these marks are insensitive to pain but what he had actually devised is a uh, spike that retracts into the handle so he'd push it in the witch would feel no pain there so is a witch yep that's Sweet. the kind of one yep um so that's what he was doing. He was actually pushing them into there. He was claiming his money. Off he was going. Now, there is an age-old story that's not actually written down anywhere. Uh, but I've been told it locally. Uh, and taken to an area where he was supposedly buried. Uh, that he actually fell afoul of the witch hunters himself. And was accused of being a witch. And basically had his own uh, devices and methods put to the test on himself. And he was drowned. Now, if that's true or not, I don't know. Uh, people have shown me the area where this supposedly he was taken. And there's, there's a woods around here where supposedly people people claim... I've never actually spoken to anyone directly. It's always been fourth and fifth hand where they've claimed to have encountered the spirit of Matthew Hopkins walking around these woods. Um, these woods are also notorious for people going <laughs> getting high in. So, you know, it could have been anything. Um You'd only have to be walking around these these woods in a stovepipe hat and a cloak, and I imagine people will think you're Matthew witch, Hopkins. Yeah. Yep. So that is the guy, Matthew Hopkins. 
However, here's just the tip of the iceberg. Europe spent roughly um, 250 years plus hunting down witches. And in Western Jeez. Europe, um, anything that was heretical or denounced by the Pope was classed as witchcraft. So 200,000 witches were tortured, burned or hanged in Europe. Uh, just to put that in context, the population of Europe around the time of this was about, you're probably talking about 20 million. So you're talking a hell of 1% were probably burnt or hanged as witches, which is absolutely bonkers. And it was things like, if you had a pet cat, you'd be classed as a witch. If you had any sort of strange animal, classed as a witch. Uh, should, <laughs> should you meet... <laughs> ridiculous things like um you had you looked to be crone like so basically you'd lived a hard life uh snaggle toothed sunken cheeked or having a hairy lip so british <laughs> so basically a, british yeah. okay basically yeah the classical brit look you were classed as a witch damn uh so a lot of people actually cashed in on this now to give you yeah, the americans idea, <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a further idea, right? There are actually cases going back to 1945 where people were still being tried as witches in the UK, which is bonkers when you think about it. We're just coming out of a world war and you've got um, elderly people being classed as witches and having their throats cut and buried and pinned to the earth because people were accusing them of being witches. And this is, this is less than 100 years ago. I feel um, like in and this day and age, we can. Uh, you want to be a witch, be a witch. No one cares. Just don't cause harm. But like, there's again, this goes back. There's no cases of good witches. Like, hey, you're a witch, and you brought my pet back from the dead. Thank you so much. It's there's always a negative connotation to it. But the fact yeah, that it is. happened a hundred years ago, that's ridiculous. Yeah, there, there is. There's always uh, there was always a huge price to pay, and generally they're up to no good, and they're always classed as being devil worshippers. Yeah, always. They, that goes yeah. hand in hand. Yeah, so that's that's kind of the thing we had in Europe is you had uh, it was it was kind of a persecution against women, but some men were also actually accused of being witches or warlocks. Nice. Um, Scotland, Scotland loved to persecute men as warlocks, so. You weren't actually wanted around. They'd get rid of you by calling you a warlock. Uh, so you're either executed, you're imprisoned, you were tortured, you were banished, or if you had a nice set of land, you'd probably have that taken off of you. Mm. Um, which is absolutely crazy. And like you say, you had the uh, Malus Maleflacorum uh, hmm. by Bernardino of Siena, which was the actual Witchfinder's Handbook. Now, Harry Potter um, over here. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful uh, pronunciation. <laughs> that's that's the thing but the, the other strange thing is uh a lot of the time it was you know you had the inquisition of hunting out witches so you had the spanish inquisition mm -hmm. uh, but they didn't use the book because they thought you could actually get caught up in it and be accusing the wrong kind of people of being witches which is absolutely bonkers when you think about it that the spanish inquisition was saying this book is too extreme for us to be relying on so they didn't use it However, this book was the best-selling book in Europe after the Bible for over 100 years. Wow. Ah, which is absolutely crazy. Absolutely <laughs> bonkers. Yes. Uh, yeah, so you had this, this actually going around. Um, and, you know, to this day, we've still got cases of witchcraft in Europe and people or children being killed 
by um, by witchcraft. You know, in the UK, uh, amongst the immigrant populations, there are still cases going on where people are actually being murdered because they're being included in witches or witchcraft. Um, but before we go and delve into that, Mike, um, let's talk about the witchcraft that followed over to the New World and when the Europeans moved over to what would become the United States, they took their beliefs with them. And as usual, any beliefs, good or bad, that go, you're always going to have the persecution follow on. So do you want to take us through what happened in the precursor to the United States and their witchcraft? Salem? Yeah, that one. Oh, that one. Yes, so um, <laughs> <laughs> just double checking. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot to this, folks. Uh, I want you, I implore you to sit back, relax, grab a drink, and get comfortable because this is quite a long tale and quite a tale. And I'll have you know that all of my research comes from Discovery Plus, which is of Salem, which I watched and took copious amounts of notes. Uh, there are a lot of names. There's a lot that I'm about to dump into your brain. So if you want to see what I'm talking about, it's pretty well done. Witches of Salem, Discovery Plus, very, very fun, very detailed, very gory. But now let's take you back in time, everybody. It is the year 1692 in January, okay? And this whole story revolves around children. Abigail Williams, who is a cousin, and Betty Smith are in the attic trying to tell their own fortunes with a bowl and an egg. You whisk it and it tells you the future. They were looking for their prospective husbands. They were quite young, six and seven, around there, and they were playing with that. After that night, each girl began having violent fits, containing seizures, just screaming, freaking out, for no apparent reasons. A doctor came, and there was nothing physically wrong with them. Uh, and immediately, this is a very Puritan town, like everyone's religious, like, super religious they thought bewitchment they said this is not of this world something beyond is controlling them and samuel harris which is a very important name was the village priest and he was as religious as it gets and these were his one was his daughter one was the cousin of them okay this story is going to jump around a lot so bear with me a woman shows up begging for food, and Harris gives a small amount. Um, you know, he really can't be bothered. And as she's le leaving, she's heard muttering some words. And Harris goes, uh, I think he just cursed my family and my daughters, because the instant that she did that, the daughter's fits became instantly worse. They're on the ground. They're screaming. They're crying. So as all wealthy people back then had... Uh, they had an enslaved woman from Barbados uh, to the family, and her name was Tichuba, one of the most famous names in all of Salem history, Tichuba. And uh, she dabbled in occult activities um, in the forms of divinations, folklore, charms. Um, and back then, there was a very fine line between acceptable and asinine. And she saw the children ill. So what she did was she performed a witch cake. Let me say that again. Okay. A witch 
cake. Now, that's from England, Glenn. Do you know what a witch cake is? Uh, I do not, but I'm, I'm interested, so enlighten me. Well, you might not be interested after I tell you what it is. It is rye meal, urine from the affected girls, made into a paste, baked into a cake, and fed to a dog. <laughs> Why a dog? Okay, I'm so happy you asked. They thought that by feeding this to the dog, it would transfer the bewitchment from the girl to the dog or it okay. creates a correspondence between the witch the witched bewitched and the witchy the cake was saw, seen as a gift to release them from their hell okay so that's something okay so harris finds out you know the priest finds out that tichaba gave them this witch cake and he goes ballistic he's screaming you're gonna pay you're just gonna pay now the girls start to begin seeing specters, okay, ghosts, versions of the witch that can attack them from afar. And the girls suddenly are saying, hey, it's Tichaba doing this. So Harris calls in some of the brightest minds and thinkers, hoping that there is like a natural cause. He does not want to believe mm -hmm. it's witchcraft. And he goes, you know what? All right, let's talk about this. They go through every natural thing that could be afflicting these girls, and they come down to it's witchcraft. There's no way... Someone is doing this to my children. They need to pay. Everything they tried points to witchcraft. They brought in Tichaba, just to be questioned. And uh, first thing they say, you're a witch. Everyone's trying to like calm down, and they're like, nope, you're a witch. So it, Harris now wants her to admit that she's a witch. So what does any slave owner do? He beats her. She stands firm, and the other girls are starting to show signs of being possessed. Now other girls, besides those two, are starting to show these signs of, you know, hysterics, being contorted into extraordinary positions. New name, Sarah Good. This is the woman that came begging for money that night, and Sarah okay. Osborne. The child says that they are also haunting them. So both women fit to this witch stereotype, old, lanky, you know, keep to themselves. Another name, Thomas Putnam, a man whose child is being bewitched, puts in a complaint against the women, which starts off the hunt. Everyone is arrested. All the ones are accused, and they are put before a grand jury. If they're found, they will be put guilty by the guilty to death. I'm sorry. If found guilty, they will be put to death by hanging, which is basically mm -hmm. a circus. It f it's feeding the rumor mills. This stuff is starting to pick up. The day of, too many people showed up at the barn, so they moved it to a bigger place, the village meeting house. There were no judges, just merchants who liked law. So there were no appointed people there. It was just people, hey, I've studied law, I'm going to show up, and I am the judge and the jury. Okay. And so they interrogate each of them, asking the girls if these are the women and if these are the women that they are seeing when they're not there, and the girls go into fits. As the trial goes on, the women throw each other under the bus. One woman said, I see a dark specter, and it's the other woman. The other one says, I see this woman, and it tells me not to go to church. So they're being misconstrued that everyone else is speaking to the devil, but not themselves. Tichaba stands firm, then snaps and says that the, t the devil told her to do it. So Tichaba is the first one to fall. She shifts and gives the court exactly what they want. She says she sees the devil and a man in a black hat. He appeared and asked her to serve him. So, serve him or he hurts the children. 
devil gives her a bird. Now, this goes back to what you were talking about. What, what, what's the name of it, Glenn? A familiar. A familiar. And the yeah. kids all see this bird. Um, now, Tichaba had to sign her life away, and she refused to the devil, and she fell real quick. So apparently, there's this book that you have to sign for the devil, and... That's right. Yeah, and then he's yours, and that's it. So all three women basically came down and said, we signed the book in blood, and there are nine other names in this book. That's when the courtroom lost their you-know-what. And they're like, okay, we now have a problem on our hand. And guess what's happening the whole time, Glenn? Children are having fits. Like, the second a new person comes on the stand, it is like a circus. Children are on the floor screaming, bending. It's hard to even hear what people are saying. So, Tichaba falls unconscious and the trial ends. Like, it's just too much for her. She's like, I'm done. So, the afflicted... The kids are named, named the witch, and they go around and they accuse them. The townies, they're just walking around going, she's a witch, you're a witch, you're a witch. They bring in one Martha Corey to the afflicted, and the kid has a seizure instantly. Then the servant, seizure, okay? She's the next to be okay. named, all right? We're, we're, they're just going down. The problem with Martha Corey, she's a member of the parish. So now it's infiltrated what everyone thought was a safe place, Okay? Another formal mm-hmm. complaint. She's announced as a witch, blah, blah, blah. Harris brings in an old pastor, the last one, who's also, and you'll love this, Glenn, an aspiring writer. So he starts poking around first with the girl, Mary Walcott, who gets bitten by a demonic presence in front of him. Or she possibly did it herself and he didn't see. But of course, to perpetuate the witches, the witch, you know, the demons did it. Yeah. Um... That's one of the first examples of fraud in Salem, is that moment when that girl shows him that. Because as you'll see later, what happens with this. Anyway, the pastor gives a sermon and all the girls start heckling him. A thing that would never happen. You know, girls, they go to church, they shut their mouths, and the men do too, and you listen. They were pissed, and they were just spouting demons. Okay, Martha the witch is there with a warrant for her arrest but cannot be arrested on the Sabbath, which I found really, really interesting. And that damn yellow bird lands on everyone and the girls lose their mind in church. Martha starts speaking out to her own defense. Next day she's brought in. A dozen girls are there now for just for the arraignment and they are all in hysterics. Her husband, and a name you probably recognize, Glenn, Giles Corey, mm-hmm. brought to testify and he throws his wife under the bus. He goes, yeah, she's a witch. He had a grudge. He said he could see her lips move, but nothing comes out. Accusations are flying. She's defending girls. Uh, She's defending herself. The girls are freaking losing their mind. Someone throws a shoe at her face and hits it. She's brought to the witch den to be chained up. Now, the witch den was the Boston Penitentiary. And they basically brought you there and left you there. You were not fed unless family came and fed you which means a lot of these old ladies with no family starved. But we'll get to that. The next one is a big turning point. Rebecca Nurse, she's 71. She is literally a saint, the nicest woman in town, the most religious, and this is the most controversial accusation yet. She was a pillar of the community. The turning point where all the children pointed to her and people started going, there's no way. There's no way this can get get any worse. 
She was sick, and the girls imitated her movements, her coughing. Then they uh, spoke with the daughter of one of the witches, and of course she said, lock her up. Now the most pious woman in town is locked up. As I said, they don't get okay. fed. Now, they evolved from, you know what? We're not going to let witches sit there. We're going to torture these people. So they put boards on their back and front and stretched out their limbs to just ungodly directions until trying to get them to confess. Most did not. Then the trials got worse and they moved it to the governor. This guy takes no BS. He came in and he's like, you know what? We're going to put an end to this. Um, they came up with a test, Glenn, that if you could say the Lord's Prayer perfectly, you weren't a witch. Due to this woman's accent, she said hallowed instead of hallow, which was mistook. Everyone went ballistic, screaming witch. The husband stands up for her, and the seizures go into hell mode, okay? A girl's hand literally catches fire <laughs> in the courtroom, okay? <laughs> Everyone is sent to jail. Everyone's sent to jail, okay? All, anyone accused, the husband, wife, that's it. Now we move on to Mary Warren. I, know, I told you folks this was going to be long. Grab another drink because we still got plenty to go. Sorry, Glenn, but I told you. No, 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 you carry on. Mary Warren, a girl who was affected, is now the afflictee, okay? After she was beaten, she was cured. The girls go insane, and she chooses to have a seizure. And the girls turn on her, saying, witch. Guess where she goes? Jail. She confesses that she was forced to sign the book by the husband and wife of the previous time I just spoke, and she's released. She's now released because she said she was forced as a child by these two adults to sign the Book of Satan. Okay. Back to Abigail Williams. She heard a horn and runs into the field and sees hundreds of witches from New England along with the devil, the man in black. It was organized. It was a witch service. They are they're drinking blood they're eating red bread they're doing all the things witches do and they want to destroy mm -hmm. all of new england what she sees is really horrifying is george burroughs was the man in black and he was a minister and a man of the church and he's a one of the biggest names there is finally this moves on to the next cover governor this all takes the span from january to december okay governor phipps comes back from england and puts together official trials so titchable was the first and she was tried as a witness not a witch because of her confession which i found really interesting bridget bishop uh, it's just endless man is the first officially confirmed as a witch she was the most recent case they pulled her out of the jail and said you know what you're the most recent you're going to be the one they reviewed the case multiple times. They didn't want to mess this up. This was the first one formal witch trial. She protests her innocence until the end. Now, what do you think happened? She was confirmed. And first big day, first hanging. They get her up there. They kick the bucket out from her. The knot didn't break her neck immediately. It took 10 minutes. It wasn't pretty. And it just confirmed that she was a witch because she didn't die. After this, the girls of Salem accused people. Um, they they kept accusing people. It, like these girls, this set of girls, had the power to accuse any single person that they were a witch, and the town listened. Okay, which introduced even more cases. 
Then comes in Cotton Mathers, okay? That okay. is a name you're going to want to know. This guy is badass, and he is like Mr. Witch Hunter. Like, I'm going to... If you're a witch, you're going to have to deal with me. He starts debating spectral evidence, and the debate was basically, is it real? He first wanted to come in as a skeptic, and he said, you know... The debate was either the devil could take the shape of an innocent person or is the devil playing tricks. But the devil is no match for the power of God. So, you know, if you're if someone says you're a witch, you're a witch. The girls were using them basically as evidence and just saying, you know, you are a witch. But no one believed them. So they had to come up with another test. And this was called the touch test. If a girl was having a fit uh, and the witch touched them and it stopped then she's a witch it doesn't make sense but then again none of this does sarah good sentenced to death rebecca nurse accused the most that beautiful wonderful most pious person she goes out and gets a petition for 39 signatures including one of the girls that accused her and she was found not guilty guess what happened glenn the girls lost their mind okay after the girls lost their mind, they brought her back to question her again. Okay? Bad part, okay. she was going deaf. They asked her about what she had said earlier that day, which was, she was overheard saying, one of us. Um, when they asked her, she did not respond. And the court took that as an admission of guilt. And she was found guilty. So they overturned it. From prison, nurse wrote a letter to the court explaining that, listen, I didn't hear the question. She was released and tried yet again. Different set of judges. They welcome her into the courtroom. And what is the first worms? This is a demon. She's expelled from the church and brought to be killed because she was deaf. The crowd now cannot believe that she is dead because this was the most pious human being that they had. This was a big turning point in the trials. The final trial of George Burroughs, that was the guy in the field that the girl saw? Yep. M Mathers, the father of the hunt, is there. The girls are going ballistic. Every girl had seen this man in their premonition, and now he is standing before them in the courtroom. Girls come up to speak and cannot speak because the devil is stopping them. The girls say he is superhuman. He lifted a six-foot musket with his pinky and a barrel with two. Mary Walcott screams that the specter bit her. They start to believe him. They bring an apple to George to bite to compare the marks. Now, let me say that again. Mary Walcott screams that he bit her, and they were 50 feet away. They bring him an apple. He bites the apple. Guy brings over an apple to her arm. They compare it. They are very similar. Then, you think that was bad? Four ghosts show up. Two are George's dead wives. Two are the other wives of another parishioner. Only the girls can see them. All right? Burroughs gives them a, a, a letter, the court, that there are no witches. There's no devil that they're just misreading the Bible and that this is all pure BS. They are deliberately misreading them. They disregard the note and convict them of being a witch, obviously. Everything up until this point is showing that the hierarchy from minister being respected and children are not to be respected has been reversed. Children are taking care of everything. 
We're getting there, folks. We're almost at the end. During his hanging, he gave a speech, reciting the Lord's Prayer perfectly, which was the prerequisite to not being hung. People started yeah. to think that he was innocent. Some accounts say that the crowd tried to save him. Cotton Mathers says even the devil can disguise himself as an angel of the light. That does it, and they hang him. Eleven people total died that day. But that speech left an impact. They start questioning the authority. They're worried about the violence against judges. There's still more witches coming, but how could that be since they just killed everyone? Six more condemned to death. At this point, if you miss church, they came to your house and called you a witch. Okay? Parish, our initial minister, sees a divide in the church, and he's getting worried. It's being questioned, and the witch hunters are now the bad guys. One of the most interesting parts of this case is Giles Corey. He was tried, and he was asked, how do you want to be tried? He refused to answer. He refused to answer anything. He pled the fifth. He stood mute. The sentencing, the sentence, pressing. Boards were placed below and on top of him, and stones placed on top. This was an attempt for him, you know, to get him to, to budge. He lasted four days. People would walk throughout the village each day to see more and more stones on his body. Tough bastard didn't say anything, okay? The whole time. And it takes days for him to die. Final words that he said. More weight. This guy didn't care. He wasn't going to get lynched. So he died by pressing. Nine more sentence. The court had a 100% conviction rate. Everyone would see enough. No, Everyone's a witch, just like everyone's a demon. This isn't right. This shouldn't persist. But the numbers grow. 20 more are executed. One day, the girls are in a carriage and they see a woman and they go into their convulsions. The people around them just keep going about their business. Girls are losing their power. 150 more accused. People cause everyone and they accuse everyone, the judge's wife and the governor's wife. And this is where it comes to an end, folks. Now the governor writes to London for counsel. He suspends all trials and accusations. It reached the top and that's all it took it to stop. This took the span of a year. 150 witches were released, but many couldn't pay the prison fees, so they died there. Mather writes his personal account in order to justify what he did, but everyone knows that he is one of the worst. Once the trials came to a halt, guess what? The girl's symptoms stopped immediately. Many left Salem shortly after. Abigail Williams disappeared. She might have never recovered from the trials and went insane. One girl came out and said that she was sorry what she did and she lied because of delusions of the devil. Samuel Parrish admits he may have been wrong. His wife dies and he quits the ministry. Five years after the start of it, okay, in Tichaba, still in prison, it is time for her to be released and her slave owner, Parrish, won't pay for her freedom. She is bought by another person to pay, to pay off her debt and she rides yeah. into the sunset being a slave. That is the complete history, to my knowledge, of the Salem Witch Trials, and it's all because of a bunch of kids. Glenn? Thoughts? Well... Thanks for letting me get through the, that, by the way. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the crazy thing, isn't it? You've got... It's pretty much what you see anywhere in the world. It's just people wanting to get rid of um, people they don't particularly want in the village or undesirables for one reason or the other and it's just mass hysteria that causes causes these things to happen um, it makes you hark back to the age old saying that a person is smart but people are stupid 
and the IQ of a group decreases as more people join the group. Uh, this is a classic example of it. Absolutely classic example of it. Now, to go on to Salem, uh, and we think, you know, back then, that would be, ah, it was a product of the time. But of course, you replace the word witchcraft with the word communist, and you had this happening again in the 1950s. Yes. With the McCarthy witch hunts, uh, which were an almost blow-by-blow -blow replication of the same kind of uh, tactics performed in Salem, but being performed on a mass scale, hunting out communists um, in the States. And it just goes to show you that witchcraft, uh, whilst I believe there were people who were naturally gifted with healing, is a result of fear or a an excuse to remove the undesirables from the area you actually live in. Yeah. yeah uh, that, that's true. kind of my belief on it. I think that's a good point. I mean, it, it's, it's amazing how, after listening and watching all that, how quickly the... the, the hierarchy of power can be overturned but when people band together when and i don't want to say stupid because the girls weren't stupid they knew exactly what they were doing but if you take a look throughout history when people come together uh, you know they can make you believe almost anything in there there are studies uh -huh. upon studies that you know you bring in one person and you bring in five people and they say the sky is green that that one person eventually will say the sky is green bad example but along those lines so yeah you're absolutely yeah. right now yeah. i'm going to tell you a quick a quick uh background on one of the most famous um witch persecutions that happened in the uk and that's the pendle hill um witch trials you ever heard of these no but i'm excited to hear about them right so to give you a uh, a bit of uh, a bit of background so in 1603 uh, Queen Elizabeth I who was known as uh, the Golden Queen because she basically lived forever uh, the Virgin Queen as well that's another one of her names uh, she she died in 1603 and she was succeeded um, by James I now uh, James I was uh, a deeply religious man deeply religious and before he even became king he was convinced he was being plotted against by Scottish witches. So uh, he took a trip to Denmark in 1590. So this is 13 years before he became king. And he was attending a trial of some witches. Um, now what he was attending the trial of is these witches were supposedly trying to cast a storm against a ship that carried James and his wife and back to Scotland. So what does he do off the back of this? He pens a book called Demonology. Um, you know, throwback to Ed and Lorraine Warren for the title. <laughs> he writes a book called Demonology. And basically, yeah, what this book says is anyone who reads it or his followers must denounce and prosecute any supporters or practitioners of witchcraft. So, he's got this book out. It's a very successful book. And then he comes to power. Now, if you imagine what a man who has influence over idiots and then gets into a position of power can do, uh, I think you only need to remind us of the last oh, four years. Oh, I have years, a clue, I... <laughs> Oh, I have a clue. Thanks. Yep. That's it. So what happens is, what's the first thing he does? Uh, so he's in, and his first year in office, he puts a law in place that imposes the death penalty, where it's proven that harm has been caused through the use of magic, or corpses has been exhumed for magical purposes. So basically... If you got ill and you can prove that person cast a spell on you, 
you're dead. So mm. James, he's he's sceptical of evidence that comes up in witch trials. But what he's interested in is actually hunting witches. So that's what he likes to do. So in 1612, so this is nine years after he's assumed the throne, he goes around and he orders every justice of the peace in Lancashire uh, to make a list of those who refuse to attend the English church and to take communion. So that's a criminal offence at the time, but he wants names. He wants names of the people who are refusing to actually partake in religious ceremonies. So they go out and get these names. So you've got this guy called Roger Nowell, and what he does is he investigates uh, the complaints made to him uh, by people refusing to do this. And one of these particular chaps is a guy called John Law, and what he is is a peddler, so he's basically making shoes, um, who claims to have been injured by witchcraft. So what happens there is, oh, that's the start of a nice, a nice interesting look. So this guy goes off, and he starts looking around uh, for witches. So what he's looking at, is uh, the local people who are healers so they're village healers you didn't have doctors at the time you had healers uh, who were accused of practicing magic in return for payment uh, he starts accusing them of being witches so what um, he does is they want to understand the king's attitude to witchcraft so the king is actually the head of the judiciary who's looking for witches. So you've got an anti-witchcraft king, someone who doesn't like magic, he doesn't like anything that's against religion or any sort of religion outside of Christianity or Catholicism. He's hoping this guy is, uh, this is the guy basically who's going to be heading up the inquiry. He's the king and he wants these people put to death. Now, to give you, to give you an idea of the, the style of the time so it's very similar to what you experience in Salem uh, these are quite remote and lawless areas so what they basically go into is they go to um, a place called Trodden Forest uh, and what happens is there's a, a lady called Alison Device uh, who encountered a character called John Law now this, this John Law was the peddler we've mentioned before and she asked him some pins uh, so they're very expensive items because they're handmade, but these the pins are needed for magical purposes, such as healing or treating warts, divination, and for love magic, which is why Alison may have been keen to get hold of them. Now, John uh, refuses to sell them to her. He doesn't want to. Um, he doesn't want to give them to her. He doesn't want to sell them to her, and he's just like, no, I'm on my way. I'm not selling this to you. Um, no one really knows whether she had money or she's begging for them. Uh, but he just doesn't sell them to him. Anyway, he carries on his way, and after encountering this Allison, uh, this law guy stumbles and falls because you know some people think he suffered a stroke. Uh, but he manages to regain his his to his feet and reach a nearby inn. So you've got this chap. Uh, this is the guy who was claimed to be injured by witchcraft. Um, initially, he doesn't actually say anything against Allison. Um, but she seems to have become convinced of her own powers and thinks she's actually cursed him. Um, so when Abraham Law, this is John Law's son, took her to visit his father a few days after the incident, she confesses and asks for his forgiveness. So basically, she thinks she's cursed this guy. So, Alison Device's mother, a lovely lady called Elizabeth, and her brother James are summoned to appear, to appear before now so this is the guy leading the actual investigation uh, on 30th March 1612 and she's then confessing that she sold her soul to the devil and that she had he had told him 
to lame John Law after he called her a thief. So why she's doing this, we don't know. Um, so, and her, this is the mad part. You've got this woman suddenly confessing um, that she, you know, she sent out to lame this guy, all of the devil to lame this guy. And then you've got her brother, James, uh, who has no reason to do this, starts accusing his sister, as also confessed to bewitching a local child. Um, wow. Yeah, this, this is the crazy thing. Uh, and I'm going to stop you real quick because in Salem as well, they accused a four-year-old of being a witch. There is no, like, it, it, there's no rules to this madness. It, it's crazy. So, go on. Yeah, so what they had there is you basically, you've got Elizabeth getting grassed up by her brother, grassed up being, you know, snitched on. James, and then she snitches on her own mother called Demdike and says she's got a mark on her body, uh, which is a mark left by the devil after he's sucked her blood. So she's saying, my mother's a witch as well. Um, and then you've got, um, you've got them questioning another family, uh, the Whittle family, or Chattock's family, uh, who they then accuse of being witches themselves. So you've got one group being accused of being witches and they're saying they're witches as well. Now, what came to light is this um, this other family, they didn't particularly get on well with, so they're accusing them of being witches. Now, uh, there's a blood feud going on here, but they're both pointing the finger and saying each of them is a witch. Uh, they accuse each other of murdering men by witchcraft and of killing you know, a parent by witchcraft. Um, so you've got things like they're paying uh, what's the word tribute to each other to stop the spells being cast over so you've got things like porridge or oats being handed over as a tribute to stop any sort of witchcraft happening mm -hmm. so what happens there is these people have all had this evidence put against them so they are arrested so uh, you've got Demdike, Chattox and Redfern and Allison Device they're arrested and put in uh, Lancaster jail. Uh, so they're going to be tried for Maleficificum. So it's causing harm by witchcraft at the next trial dates. So uh, so from there, you've got the Pendle Witch Trials kicking off. Now, the Pendle Witch Trials, uh, they retired in a group. And they, just for the hell of it, rounded up some other people they accused of being witches to put on trial. So what they were actually charged with was child murder, cannibalism. Um, you had a, a woman called Margaret Pearson. She was facing a third trial for witchcraft. So she's done for this rodeo twice. Oh uh, she's facing it for killing a horse. And you've got an another lady called Isabel Roby who's accused of witch causing witchcraft to cause sickness. So these are these are classed as the Pendle witches. That's what they came to be be known as. Okay, it sounds like uh, the, the Hatfields and McCoys, but you know w when it comes down to what they're actually accused of yeah mm -hmm. that that's horrible stuff like you probably shouldn't kill the horse and like uh, everything except the last accusation was viable in a court of law like you are breaking the law you you cannot go and you know shoot a horse for no reason or you know well maybe you can i don't know but, but that it, it sounds like two families who truly hated each other and they just happened to live in a time where this was acceptable you're a witch you know um. yeah that that's exactly it it's um it, it's almost like well if i'm going down 
You're going. You're down. coming down with me. Yeah. 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 That's it. That's crazy. That's interesting. Um, yeah. So again, you've got you've got that going on with uh, yeah. So the the witch trials. It's the same thing we saw in Salem. It's just happening all the time. It's basically blood feuds and people wanting to clear out or people who aren't observing the religious practice. It's almost like the prescriptions. Uh, it's, it's an excuse to get rid of people you don't want or get rid of people you think just aren't quite there. You know, if we were doing it today or if we were doing it in a modern era, um, let's say you'd probably rile up a crowd to go against a particular type of person and that would be the person you're targeting. It, it's an age-old thing we've seen over and over and over and over. Now, what if I told you that it's still happening and I have proof and I'm going to take you local, Glenn, and I found this out very recently, a very short story, but in on Long Island, where I live, there is a place with a house, which I'm about to send you. Um, okay. It is called the Massapequa Witch House. Or the Massapequa Hell House, or the Massapequa wow, Satan okay. House. This house has been around for a long time. And I'm looking at it now. Yeah, yeah. it uh, it is on a residential block, and uh, a family member lives right around the corner. It, it sticks out like a sore thumb. It is red. It has blood red sidewalks, steel grates. There was supposedly a pink hearse in the driveway for years. Many families have lived here. There, no family has really been seen moving. The house has candles in the windows that essentially, you know, represent the dead. Um, they illuminate yeah. upstairs in the window as cars drive by. Um, but it basically, well, let me rephrase that. The candles supposedly light up um, and to represent the amount of people in the car driving by, which is supposed to be terribly bad luck. Some of the residents say that this is a satanic cult who chant behind closed do doors. Uh, people have come out of the house wearing gothic black head to toe. Um, and other people believe that it's a normal Christian family now because there is um, the Virgin Mary in the window. But this house sticks out and police are called every Halloween to keep people away from it because it is seen as a hot spot for demonic activity, which is the occultism. So uh, I don't know how, but I'd love, maybe the listener can just Google Massapequa Witch House and you will see this. It sticks out, it's a local. I am going to see it and take some pictures. Maybe, I, I don't know, there's enough on the internet. I, I really don't want to disturb these people that live there because from what I hear now, um, it's just an old couple and that pink hearse is actually covered and it's not a pink hearse. Back in the day, um, it's like a pink uh, Mustang that, that she won in a like sweepstakes. So like, uh, there's a lot of stories surrounding this and it all revolves around witches. Um, they are said to live in there and have lived in there and it is now a national, well, uh, a historic place of Long Island which cannot be changed or moved so very local which haunt from me do you have anything local Glenn or do you have another story for us um local 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 besides uh, everything we just spoke about I mean yeah know. no I um yeah I guess to actually take you oh do you know what? I'm going to show you these woods awesome so let's have a look uh 
hang on a second. It's just so crazy. Like, I never knew. There's another house in the same town that, that's just as eerie. But the people that live there do it because they want to be weird, you know. But, um, yeah, th this house is truly, truly just incredible. So what I'm going to show you here, Mike, is... Let's just have a look. This is the tree from the local um, woods where the spirit wow. of Matthew Hopkins is said to walk. Um, yeah, so what you, it's got a bit, just to describe um, to the listener what yeah. it looks like. So if you imagine the Sleepy Hollow tree where the Headless Horseman comes out of, it looks kind of like that. You've got basically a mouth, you've got the tree spreading out, almost a face in the actual trunk of the tree. With this large, open, almost predator-like mouth where you could imagine something coming out. So, this is the area where the dunking pond was for Matthew Hopkins. Um, so, what he would do there is he would actually take... Let's just find you the dunking pond. It's a creepy so tree. It is a, a very creepy tree. Uh, I've been in these woods late at night and there really is... There really is no, no light around at all. It's just... Uh, hang on, let's load it up. Okay, so uh, this this is just a painting, but this is what you can imagine it being like. Uh, there you go. So this is this is kind of the area you've got going on here. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. It's a beautiful pond with. Yeah, you'd pass by and be like, "Oh, a nice place to sit," but that's where murder happened, huh? Yeah, that, that's the thing, is this, you've got this lovely area, and it is absolutely beautiful. You can't fault it, uh, but when you actually sit and you think about what happened in this place, and these woods, they're not as big as they used to be. They've had some cut back, but um, when you go into them, you can fit, and it might be because of the canopy of the trees or the fact that once you're a few, a few rows of trees in, you kind of start losing the light. Um, you, you can sort of get the impression that this stuff actually happened there um, which is actually yeah. quite weird because people go to walk their dogs there but the amount of misery that's actually happened in here now this area this is an area where you still you still are finding things like people are finding uh, candles and things like little altars that are being constructed this is the place where you're still going to be finding them mm. um, you know, I've stumbled across a couple myself. I can remember once going there. The bizarrest thing I've, I've ever found there um, was a staff and a robe just on a tree. A rope or a robe? Robe. Oh, robe as in someone would wear a staff and a robe. Cool. Um, yep, just, just found it next to a tree in these woods. Uh, so I did the right thing you normally do and I took it with me. So you still have it? <laughs> I've still got the staff. Oh, wow. What happened to the robe, I don't know, but I've still got this, this staff. Um, so now you're a witch. Yep, yep that's it. I just, just took this staff and robe and I was like, this is pretty cool. That's awesome. uh, but yeah, you've got a lot of that still going on in the area where people are practicing this. And yeah, you could say it's just kids doing kids stuff. Uh, but it's interesting that it's still there as an undercurrent within the area. Um and it, it kind of goes into the idea that even though even though the area is now classed as Christian and everyone's a Christian or whatever religion you want to believe, believe I do kind of still get the impression that if you scratch below the surface, uh, there's probably still a lot of uh, witchcraft kind of going on there. What are, your, what are your thoughts on that? 
I think it's always going to exist. I think as long as people gather in groups and accusations fly um, against outcasts in society, uh, it will always be there. And of course, now more than ever, people can practice that openly. But do you think we will ever go back to a time where this happens? Um, and my answer is probably yes, especially since it happened within the past hundred years. Um, I just hope it doesn't, hope people are logical enough, which they've proven they aren't, that they can just say, you know what, no, sorry little kid, you didn't see a demon, you're a child, sorry. <laughs> so, but I'm sure that hopefully the listeners have some stuff they can send us to, for us to investigate, you know, and you could hit us up on Twitter and, uh. All these things, but it's interesting. It still is around. Do you think it could happen to Glenn again, Glenn? I think, uh, I think if you re- remove reason, anything can happen. And that's what this whole hour was about—the lack of reason. Even though people tried to use it, uh, insanity seems to prevail in every way. So, um, let us know your thoughts, please. You know, good, bad, indifferent. We'd love to hear about it. But interesting episode, really, really heavy on facts of, you know, first-person tales. So, I had fun. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, I think that was, it was, it was kind of the, um, yeah, one of, one of our more interesting ones, I think, is we actually stuck to facts. It was very, I do apologise, very light on um, humour this time. Yeah. Um, this was purely research-based, and, you know, it, there is history, and it is documented. You know, there is no history of demons. There is, but um, this has a, a different place in our hearts. This is partly semi-personal. I've been to Salem. We went on an eighth-grade field trip. We saw these places. It was ingrained to us as children. Like, yeah, this is part of your history. Um, you should know it. So I've been there. It's creepy, and... Yeah, so fact-based this week. Hopefully next week we have a little more humor for you, but hopefully you enjoyed this week's episode. Yeah, I I hope so. Um, And if you do have any of your own personal witchcraft stories, uh, please feel free to hit us up on Twitter. Uh, The links are in the show notes, or you can email us directly, uh, again, in the show notes. Um, But for this week, I have been Glenn. And I've been Warlock Mike. And take care, and we will speak to you soon. Pleasant dreams.